Welcome into another edition of the Reed Foster Podcast. Got a great show for you today. Going to be talking about the sadness that I feel now that Swansea has been relegated, the legalization of sports gambling, and why the Celtics have changed the way LeBron is going to approach this summer. Today's a dark day for the podcast. Uh, well, not specific day, but just a dark time in the podcast. Swansea City, the official Premier League club of the Reed Foster podcast, has been relegated to the championship after... I, well, I didn't even see where they finished, but they finished in the bottom three of the Premier League table. Um, you know, I let, let's just be honest, they deserved it. They had a number of chances late in the season where all they had to do was just score a single goal. You know, I was we weren't even asking them to win matches near the end. It's just, can you get a goal and get a draw, get a single point? They did that just a couple more times. They would still be in the Premier League, but alas, they are not. And the kind of fight they showed, you know, I think if I want, if I'm correct, the last time they got relegated, or I, I'm maybe not relegated, but the last time they were in the championship, they fell down four flights. That's right. After falling out of the Premier League, you could, they could finish in the bottom three of the championship next year and get relegated to the next league, and then finish bottom three of that league and fall down. So if you're thinking that there's nowhere to go but up from here for Swansea, that is absolutely false. There absolutely is more places below to get to. Um, so I, mean, it's, I don't mean to sound like a pessimist, but it, it's, it fucking sucks. Just gonna be honest with you, I I'm still pro relegation in a lot of ways. I think it adds intrigue to the Premier League. I think that ultimately, when you look at uh, you look at the Premier League and most soccer leagues and most sports leagues in general, you end up you have you know your five five or six big teams that matter, and then everything else is flotsam. Nothing else really matters. So. Within that, if you could generate some interest at the bottom of the table, um, sure. Because I don't, I don't necessarily think that the Premier League is any better or worse for having Swansea City in instead of Huddersfield Town, or you know Cardiff City's coming in now and Stoke City's being relegated. I, I don't think the Premier League is going to be affected either way. So, at least I guess get those storylines going, but. When you're someone who suffers the brunt of it, it's pretty disheartening. And it, you know, I, whenever I first started following the Premier League, my whole thing was I didn't want to be one of those people that just picked Manchester United or Arsenal and supported one of the big clubs. Because, I mean, this is dumb, but like I, I always figure that you only have so much juju in the sports world for karma. And I never wanted to devote any of that karma that could be devoted towards teams I already support towards European teams. I didn't want to have to, I didn't want to be a Jersey chaser. It just seemed like it would be bad karma to, to pick up Manchester city or Manchester United or like real Madrid or something. 
Um, I, I thought that would be cheating, if you will. It just feel wrong. Um, but really, there's just no other way to do it. Um, that was a mistake in my end because unless, pretty much unless you're man, one of the two Manchester clubs, Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool, or Chelsea, I mean, pretty much if you're outside of one of those teams, maybe Everton, you're going to get relegated. The only way you're going to, the only way you can guarantee playing the Premier League every year, or at least supporting a team like that, is picking one of the big boys. Um, which which is a mistake I will not make again. Um, I'm not choosing another Premier League team. That would be wrong. Um, I will be supporting the Swans in the championship. I can't guarantee I will be watching many, if any, of the matches. Uh, if they make it to the playoff, I'll watch if they get to the playoff of the championship to get back into the Premier League. But it... You know what? Why should I support the club that refuses to invest, that doesn't fight hard? You know what have they done for me that I should be supporting them? You know, watching the championship—that's a chore, and I got enough chores as is. You know, if I wanted some more chores, I'd just get another cat. That being said, I will be open to adding a new team to follow in the in another league. I'm thinking that. Bundesliga is the move. Uh, I've got some teams I've been thinking of. You know, I've been, I've understood there might need to be an exit strategy with Swansea for a while. Not necessarily an exit strategy, but a backup plan. And you know, it's not like they're going to be playing any of the teams from Germany, so it's not a huge conflict of interest at all. Um, but it does feel weird nonetheless. Um, so I got some teams that we're I'm thinking about. Going to mention those on. Subsequent shows gonna gonna make a big we're gonna make a, a fun little deal this selecting the new team but that's something to look forward to. Uh, moving on, yesterday huge ruling from the Supreme Court that basically sports gambling will now be legal or at least will be the legality of it will be determined by the states. Um, pretty much got. Pretty much reminds me of marijuana being legalized, although I, I don't think the Supreme Court legalized it necessarily, but it, it's going to be up to the states, and so we're going to see which states adapt to it qu- more quickly than others. Um, and I think this is going to have a number of ram- ramifications. Obviously, we don't know all of them yet because, I mean, the big question before any of this gets settled out and it's the question you have to ask for any sort of major legislative change is who's going to get a cut? Who is going to... Because right now, the people who are invested in sports gambling are the sports books. And I just can't see that staying the same. Staying the same. You know, who is going to get a vested interest in it? Right now, the NFL, the NBA, MLB, the big sports leagues... They want a 1% uh, integrity cut, you know, to make sure that the lease aren't being fixed. I can't see them getting 1% because my understanding is sportsbooks have said that essentially handing out a 1% cut to the leagues is like a 20% tax because they only retain 5% of profits. So I'm thinking that the NFL, NBA, that's more of a starting point for bargaining and they're going to be able to whittle that down. 
We're going to see more gambling available at the stadiums. That seems likely. But I think what's more possible, I think what people haven't addressed is will Facebook, will Twitter, will Snapchat, will these social media sites get involved with the gambling? I mean, we already link with Apple Pay and with Facebook stuff. We've linked our credit cards to these social media accounts before. And maybe people are going to be a little more weary to do that considering the the hacking that went on recently with Facebook and the election. And, you know, maybe just don't trust your privacy to all those people right now. Um, but at the same time, it's going to be pretty tempting of, of them to take advantage of that. Because right now what social media does and what most great successful, uh, how, do you, how do I put this, like corporations or... A lot of business models in the modern age seeks to take advantage of our short attention span. Um, ultimately, why are cigarettes possible? I mean, why are cigarettes profitable? Why are they popular? It's because people are bored. A cigarette, what a cigarette tra- cigarette translates to is two to three minutes of time that's now being occupied, whereas otherwise you'd have to be alone in your thoughts. That's the same thing that Twitter and Facebook offer. If I'm bored, if I'm alone in my thoughts and I want to escape that, I want to distract myself, I'll go to Twitter. And right now, I mean, it's already pretty easy. Like, what's going to be the difference between I see someone doing a Twitter poll like, oh, what's better, uh, French fries or tater tots? Oh, yeah, I think French fries are way better. And then you get you get the poll results. How different is that? Is it going to be from that versus Twitter thing pops up? Fourth quarter, and fourth quarter, Packers at Patriots. Who will have more passing yards, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? Click here to bet 50 cents on it. I feel like it's just going to be that easy. And my understanding is that mobile betting is what's really popular in Las Vegas and Nevada. And essentially, as long as you're within state lines, you can bet over the phone. I mean, right now, I have a Bovada account. I bet online. And I think that, and I think they're just going to have an app where I can bet online even more easily. And so I, I think that it's going to ultimately, it sucks, but I think it's going to end up in the hands of the big boys. And those are the people who are going to have the money. Um, and I think that we're going to see the sports media landscape shift a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily going to be smarter coverage necessarily. But if you're trying to get good prop bets, it's going to be better coverage for you. It's going to reflect, in my opinion, very similar. It's going to be very similar to the fantasy sports industry. Where I don't really, I personally don't enjoy a whole lot of fantasy sports content. Because I'm not into fantasy sports and I don't think that I don't think that fantasy sports coverage necessarily makes me a smarter football consumer. I think that it makes you overvalue uh, guys who put up big stats. But if you're a fantasy football, if your main thing for watching football is fantasy, then the media landscape right now is significantly more attuned to your needs than it ever has been. And it's going to be the same way with gambling. Right now we have a few crappy podcasts. RJ Bell's got a podcast. Um, 
against all odds in the ringer. Like, Bill Simmons will touch on gambling lines a little bit. But it's not a super robust market for gambling media. That's going to change. I think you're going to see numerous dedicated gambling podcasts. And I think within that, I think you're going to see a big rise for soccer and other year-round sports. And I think football, I personally think football is the best sport to bet on simply because of the way the scoring system is designed. There's more variance in how you can score. So you can you can mess with the lines a little bit more than you can with, you know, hockey and baseball. The line is always minus one and a half to whoever the favorite is. It's it's pretty static in that way. Football, I mean, we see with the fantasy stuff too. There's a lot of opportunities for prop bets, but even just with the scoring, I think it's the best sport to bet on. But the problem with betting on football is that it only is only around for like four or five months out of the year. And if you're a gambling addict, that's a lot of free time to be betting money on. And so I think you're going to see soccer, basketball, baseball, you know, maybe even lesser sports like tennis and golf. Sports like that are going to see a big rise. And I think specifically basketball, baseball, and soccer. Soccer will see the biggest rise because there is a larger inventory of matches to bet on than there are with basketball and baseball. Because where while whereas there's a lot of NBA and MLB games going on throughout the year, it's still just one league in America. Whereas with soccer, not only are there different leagues around the world, there are multiple leagues in every every country. I mentioned earlier how Swansea's going to be playing in the second league in England. I could bet on that. I could bet on Swan on every single Swansea City match next year. Next year, even though they're going to be not in the Premier League. There's so many soccer matches that if you're a degenerate gambler, that's where all the mo- that's where it is. And it's not a coincidence that soccer has seen a huge spike in popularity in Asia, specifically China. Over the last few years, where uh, when what do you call it? When gambling has been a huge part of that. Right now, I think one of my favorite statistics I've heard in sports over the last few years is that there are more people in China that call themselves Bayern Munich fans than there are people in Germany at all. I mean, that's incredible, and we're going to see the same thing in America. Gambling is going to change that completely. You know, it's going to be more sports to bet on. It's going to be change how we bet. You know, we can bet. We're going to be betting like in the middle of the game. Will uh, Arales Chapman get a strikeout here? Yes, no. Yes, no. Prop betting like that. Where you don't really have to think about it. Because you're they're attracting the casual fan. And like I said, gambling is trying to take advantage of our short attention spans. Within that, I wonder if it's going to affect the structure of games. Will the NFL, will the NBA, will the the ML, will Major League Baseball, when they're creating the rules, when they're adjusting the parameters of the game, how much of a factor will gambling play in that? Because if you think it's not going to play a role, then you're an idiot. I mean, if you don't think that fantasy football has affected 
the NFL loosening up the restrictions on pass coverage the past decade or so, you're you're kidding yourself. It's played a huge role because people want the numbers to keep growing and growing. And I mean, not to get too existential, but I mean that's pretty that's capitalism. We live in a universe where you look at the stock market, everything could be doing great. You know, you could be making, you could have profit margins of a million dollars a day. And you you would be considered a failure if your profit margins a year ago were also a million dollars a day. Because that would mean that over the past year, you haven't started growing more. And that's what people want. They want things growing more and more and more. And they're going to see their options for gambling growing more and more and more. Finally, just want to quickly touch on some of these uh, some of these playoff stuff. Not going to touch the hockey because, uh, well, none of y'all really want to listen to my hockey analysis. And I don't know what to tell you. Uh, the Capitals are playing really hot. I thought the Jets were the best team in the NHL left after beating the Predators, but the Knights might be the team of destiny. Who knows? Um, I mean, I, I will say, let's, let's just be honest. The Las Vegas Knights, right now, if they get to the Stanley Cup, if they win the Stanley Cup this year, that has to be one of the five best on-field sports stories of my lifetime. Seriously, I don't know what else what else is touching it. Um, I mean, I guess you kind of wrap in like Red Sox, Cubs, and to a lesser extent, White Sox, breaking their long streaks for winning the title. Um, LeBron coming back from down 3-1 against the greatest team of all time to win the finals. Um, it... I can't think of many stories better, though. And that's really incredible. I I wish I had more to say about it, but that's pretty much all I can say is that it's a remarkable story that this expansion team in Las Vegas, of all places, a place we didn't know could support a team, might win the championship in their first year. Um, But the playoff stuff I want to talk about is NBA. We've had Game 1 in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals. Um... The West, it seems pretty... We'll see how things shake out. But we knew it was going to be difficult. We knew that Golden State was going to be great. Uh, and last night, that was the case. Steph Curry wasn't great, but Kevin Durant was unstoppable and Klay Thompson was on fire. If two out of three between Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, and Steph Curry are going, you got a hard chance to win. And that's the uphill battle that Houston's facing. James Harden was incredible yesterday, but Chris Paul wasn't. And unless and unless Chris Paul and James Harden are both great, Houston is going to struggle to win games in this series. Plain and simple. Uh, but the more interesting thing to me is this Celtics-Cavs series. Um, I'm not going to overreact too much to the Celtics winning game one because LeBron, I want to say he's won nine straight series in the Eastern Conference where he's lost game one, which, pretty unbelievable stat. Uh, I, I still think the Cavs are going to come back and win this series. Because, you know, I it's LeBron. I'm not betting against them. But, I think we need to step back and just appreciate how incredible Boston is right now. 
I mean, you look at this team. How good are they going to be next year with a healthy Kyrie Irving and a healthy Gordon Hayward? I mean, we're talking about a team that that is missing their top two players. Two players who are arguably two of the 15 to 20 best players in the NBA. And Boston could get those guys back. Plus, they have a bunch of assets and could add someone else this summer. Kawhi Leonard, perhaps? You know, we know every we know every move this summer is dictated by what LeBron decides. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are not making decisions on their future until LeBron decides where he's going. And we knew that any decision LeBron makes this summer is contingent on going to a team that can beat the Warriors. But now, I, I think the Celtics have to be included in that. LeBron has, in addition to the Warriors, LeBron has to have the Celtics in mind when he makes his decisions this summer. I mean, Boston may be good enough that it forces LeBron to team up with Kawhi. It may force him to team up with a Paul George. To really get creative with these different superstar pairings that he can create. And remember, he's got a lot of leverage. Brian Windhorse has continually pointed, pointed this out. We keep evaluating where LeBron goes in the context of where what places have money to spend on him as a free agent. But if LeBron says to Cleveland, all right, I'm going to sign in to this max deal and you're going to trade me to the Houston Rockets, you know what Cleveland's going to do? Trade him to the Houston Rockets. Because it's either you get something or you get nothing. And most... Most places will take something over nothing. Bold analysis, I know. Um, and so, you know, whereas before, we thought that LeBron would never leave the East. Ever in a million le- years leave the Eastern Conference. You know, if you're... I don't know that Boston next year is going to be any easier than Golden State would. And so this potentially, Boston is so good that it potentially opens up the entire league as an option for LeBron. What if he goes and tries to team up with Anthony Davis in New Orleans? I don't see that happening, but that could be a lot of fun. What if he somehow forces his way out of Houston and we end up with a, a big three of Chris Paul, LeBron James, and James Harden? That could be fun. And I don't know how that makes it work, but I don't know how they'd make it work, but... If you told me this time last year that the Rockets would be able to get Chris Paul and James Harden on the same team, I don't know how I'd make it work. I mean, I recognize at this point the salary cap is more an abstract idea than concrete concept in the NBA at this point. That's just where we're at. Um, And you start to wonder, like people are talking about should the Celtics make a move for Kawhi Leonard? You know, I, I think a lot of people have you know, some people say, oh, you wouldn't... I think I saw someone yesterday say... might have been Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe, pretty good, obviously, best in the world covering the NBA. He said he doesn't think the Celtics would trade Jason Tatum for Kawhi Leonard straight up. Even if they knew that Kawhi was fully healthy. Which, I'm going to be honest, I think is pretty dumb. Considering how good the Celtics could be next year. But at the same time, I understand. Jason Tatum... Jalen Brown, two 
I mean, just incredible length with those two guys combined with Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, and Al Horford. That starting five has a chance to be one of the greatest in NBA history, depending on what Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum develop into the next couple of years. Um, and what they are right now, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that next year, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown will be two of the 40 best players in the NBA. And when you already have Kyrie, Al Horford, and Gordon Hayward, who are, I would say, three of the top 30 players in the NBA, the Celtics are going to be unbelievable next year. And by the way, they have the best coach in the league, Brad Stevens. And they have assets to add on to that. They didn't even have to give up any of these guys to build onto the roster. Um, I mean, they just looked incredible game one against the Cavs. They're not going to continue being this hot. The Cavs aren't going to continue to be this bad, but the Celtics moving forward have really changed the calculus of the league. 